Today we want to look at coming from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the sun because we're looking at this before and after thing. Been doing it ever since January and so we're going to keep doing it through the end of the year. And uh, today we just come out of the darkness into the kingdom of the sun, S-O-N, and beginning in uh, Colossians 1.9, he says, for this reason. For what reason are you saying, Paul? Well, in, if you read the first eight verses, he's simply saying, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. And so God, Paul is saying there to the people of the Colossians, we've heard of your faith. We've heard about how faithful you are to God. We've heard that you've been saved, you've been redeemed. And we hear about how you love all the saints, you love all the Christians all around you. And so when he comes to verse 9, then he says, For this reason, about hearing about your faith and how you love people, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so at the end of these verses, when we get toward the end of uh, Colossians this morning, we're going to see how we come out of the darkness and into the kingdom. But it's saying, there's some things I want you to have. And so what happens when we leave the dominion of darkness and we live in this kingdom of the sun? What happens to us? What do we do now that we've come out of the darkness and now we live in the kingdom of the sun? How is our life different? What is different about us? How do we live differently, act differently? And so we just want to look at really... There's ten things. You say, well, we're going to be here a while. Well, just hold on. It's not that long. But it is ten things. So, first of all, what happens when we come out of the darkness into the kingdom of the sun? We begin to ask God to fill us with the knowledge of his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. Like it said there in verse 9, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So when we come out of the darkness into the sun, we are now asking God to fill us with his knowledge of his will. Meaning this. When we get saved, when we're born again, when we come out of the darkness into the sun and we've been set free from sin, set free to serve, we begin to deny self, take up our cross daily, and just follow Jesus. That's how we live life now, isn't it? And so as a result of that, we ask for God's will. Well, God, what do you want? I know what I want to do today. I know where I want to go today. But God, what do you want me to do? What is your will for my life? Not what I want, what I think, what I feel. But God, what do you say? What is your will? And so we seek him, we ask him through spiritual wisdom and understanding that we can't get from books. We can't read a book, can't read a magazine, can't read a newspaper and say, get the spiritual wisdom and understanding. The only place we're going to get it is through asking God. And so sometimes we just simply have to do this. Lord, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know where to turn right now. I don't even know what your will is. So I'm going to ask you to give me wisdom, to give me understanding of what I need to do in my situation as it exists right now. So this practical know-how and clear decision-making comes from the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit with God's Word. And so when we need to know God's will, the first place we can turn is simply to His Word and say, Lord, I've got some questions. I need to know what to do. I've got some situations I'm in. I don't know what to do about it. What do you say in your Word? And as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. If you're born again, if you're saved, if you've come out of the darkness into the light, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And so as the Holy Spirit lives in us, he becomes our guide, he becomes our teacher, he becomes our leader, and we follow him, we listen to him, and he guides us through life, and he guides us through situations, and we simply make these we make clear decisions based on the teaching of the Holy Spirit to us. You think you've ever made a bad decision? Anybody in here ever made a bad decision? 
All right, many of them, Patricia, okay. Some of you have, some of you haven't, okay. Well, there may come a day that you make a bad decision. I hope not, but you might. Most of you haven't made a bad decision, apparently. But, well, the hands didn't go up, Patricia. I know you were shouting out, hey, I've made many of them. Okay, I see some more hands then. And so, <laughs> after you thought about it, you realize you have made a bad decision. Maybe just one, but you realize you did. How do we avoid that through the Holy Spirit living in us? We're asking, Lord, I don't know what to do right now. I might make a bad decision right now. I don't want to do that because I don't want to have regrets and look back and say, why did I do that? So, Lord, I need you to help me make this decision by the Holy Spirit living in me, showing me what to do, guiding me through this, and looking into God's Word, saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? I need to know. I need to make a good decision, a clear decision, this practical know-how, and it's coming from the Holy Spirit. So, backing up, verse 9, For this reason, since we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So when we come out of the darkness and into the light, the second thing that happens in our life is we live a life worthy of the Lord and we please Him in every way. How does that work? Well, the life lived worthy of the Lord is transformed in conduct and attitude. Some are in school. And all used to be in school at one time. Do you remember getting conduct grades? Some of us remember very clearly about conduct, don't we? You didn't, Debbie didn't? Okay. You either didn't get them or didn't want to get them. And so most of us got conduct grades. And conduct grades simply meant what basically about you in school. What, what did a conduct grade mean? How you acted? Where? In class. How you acted in class at school. So probably most of you made like A or satisfactory or check marks or that kind of thing. You know, you got all those good or unsatisfactory <laughs> or needs help or uh, can we do something with this child or, you know, and so some got good, some got bad, some got in between. Well, when we get saved, when we come out of the darkness into the light, we have to get a conduct grade from, yes, Jesus. And so as a result, we want to be transformed in the way that we act. We want to have a good conduct grade because God's going to look at our life and say, the conduct that you used to have, the way you used to act, in my kingdom, you don't act like that. You don't do that. You don't go to those places. You don't do those things. And so we want to live a life worthy of the Lord with a transformed conduct. But not only a transformed conduct, transformed conduct but a attitude to go along with it see we can sit there and act right and look right and so and that teacher can say boy that's a great student there but in our mind we could be thinking totally ugly terrible awful things about that teacher and people around us we're not acting upon it at the moment but why do we get on the playground and then it comes out or then we get to work and then it comes out or we get home from school then it comes out or whatever it may be as god says we need to transform attitude also because sometimes you hear parents say to their children, you need an attitude adjustment. And, of course, we know what that means. And sometimes we say it to each other, too. You know, in relationships, you know, husbands and wives, boyfriend, girlfriend, all that sort of thing. We say, you need an attitude adjustment because you're just not thinking right. 
your your mind is just not focused on things that needs to be focused on, and you need a different attitude. Well, we live a life worthy of the Lord. We need a transformed attitude also. So God not only wants their conduct to be right, He wants their attitude to be right too. And it's a life worthy of Him, meaning what? Equal value of Jesus, pleasing to Him in everything we do and say. Everything, everything we do, everything we say, and every way we think should be pleasing to Jesus. So look back on your week this week. Do you think everything you did and everything you said was pleasing to Jesus? All right, that was quick, wasn't it? Okay, moving right along. I thought that might take a little while. I thought you might have to think about it. Well, let me think. I don't know, maybe one day, I don't know. First Peter says, but just as he who called you is holy, Jesus, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I'm holy. God calls us to be holy. Not just have a good conduct grade, not just have a good attitude, but he calls us to be holy. To become like Jesus. Therefore, we've got to ask that question, what would Jesus do if he was in my situation? Have you ever found yourself in a situation you know, a problem, a trial, a tribulation, something has come up. You didn't ask for it, you didn't want it, but it's come up, and now what are you going to do about it? How do we handle it? How do we fix it? How do we solve it? What are we going to do now? You know, there you go. Pray about it. Let God handle it. Turn it over to Him. And so what we want to do is ask Jesus, Lord, what would you do? If you were in my shoes, Jesus, how would you handle this? Do you know what somebody told me recently? I'd written them a check, and they said they lost it. And so, when they told me about it, I had two options in there. Well, that's just tough. You should have kept up with it. You know, I wrote it to you, I gave it to you, handed it over to you, and you lost it. I'm, I'm sorry. See ya. Or, I could say, well, Jesus, I'm in a situation now. I wrote them a check. They've lost it. What should I do about it? Should I write them another check? Mm-hmm. Okay, I will. And so you say, well, that's just real simple. That's just real easy. That's pretty uh, understanding that you would do that uh, because it's the right thing to do. But your situation may be totally different, a little more complex, a little more complicated, a little harder to understand and figure out. But we're simply doing the same thing. Jesus, if you were in my situation, what would you do? How would you handle this? You've got to show me. You've got to guide me through this. You've got to walk me through this. You've got to give me some answers in your word. You've got to guide me through the Holy Spirit living in me because I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to do the right thing. I want to have the right conduct, the right attitude as I go through this, but I'm not sure what that is. You need to show me because sometimes we make decisions based on emotions, don't we? All right, here's another question. You can raise your hand if you want to. Have you ever made a decision based on emotions? All right. Most of you have. Some of you have it. The alternative of making decisions based on emotions is making a decision based on truth. God's truth, God's word. Truth and facts. And so sometimes when we make those decisions based on emotions, we, you know how, you know how quick emotions can change. Yeah, that's right. Look at your judgment of things. You're what? Very, how often? How quick? They can do it quick, can't they? Emotions can, can change quick. I mean, we can go from way up here doing good, having a great day, to down here having a horrible day in an instant, can't we? All it takes is a phone call. All it takes is a text. All it takes is an email. All it takes is somebody knocking at your door. All it takes is, you know, that, whatever that is. And boy, we're totally different. 
And now we've got to know what to do based on truth and fact, not on our emotions. Because suddenly our emotions want to take up, take off and say, you better say this, you better say that, or do that. And then we look at it later and say, why did I do that? Why did I say that? My emotions got the best of me. So there we go again. Jesus, I'm in a situation here. What would you do? Well, not only that, but we also want to look at coming out of the darkness into the light by bearing fruit of every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. And so if we're bearing good fruit, we're growing in the knowledge of God, we're simply living a God-pleasing life, we bear fruit, and we grow. When we're serving the Lord, when we're we're pleasing Him, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to do something for Him. Our life is going to mean something, and we're going to grow spiritually. We're just going to automatically grow spiritually because we're living a God-pleasing life. We're trying to please Him, work for Him, serve Him, love Him, and do what He wants to do rather than what we we want to do. That's so we're going to bear fruit as a result. We're going to grow spiritually as a result. Now, let's go back, pull all these sentences together. For this reason, since we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every good way, <coughs> bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. So when we come out of the darkness, into the light, something else that happens to us, we're strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome and have victory over our enemy. We all have an enemy today. Do you know the name of your enemy? Satan, the devil, he's our enemy. He doesn't like us. He doesn't want us to succeed. He doesn't want us to be good. He doesn't want us to be kind. He doesn't want us to love. He doesn't want us to follow Jesus. He wants us to mess up, fall around, do all kind of wrong things. That's Satan. So he's our enemy. And as a result of that, we need power to overcome him. So all we got to do is just work out in, in our arms and our legs and lift weights and do some of that and run some laps around the house and all that sort of thing, and we get stronger, we get better, and we'll be able to defeat him next time he comes away, won't we? Won't happen. We need the Holy Spirit in us. We have to be able to depend on the Holy Spirit. And that means we've got to make right decisions, live by the truth, let the Holy Spirit guide us, teach us, train us to get through all these things we go through, because otherwise it's going to be the Holy Spirit having his way in us, or it's going to be our emotions having our way in us. And if our emotions take over... We're going to lose every time that battle that we're in. And so we've got to be prepared for the battle before the battle happens. And the only way we're going to do that is to allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us day in and day out so that we can overcome our enemy, have victory over him when he attacks. And we'll be ready, we'll be alert, we'll be noticing, and we're prepared for that battle because he strengthens us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome. Well, also when we come out of the darkness and the light, We've got great endurance and patience. Sometimes we don't put those two together. We think, well, one or one or the other. Endurance means I'm working through it. I'm going through it. I'm getting through it. I'm going to live through this. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to keep going, being faithful to God through this. I'm going to be all right because the Holy Spirit's bringing me through it. But along the way, as I'm enduring whatever it is I'm enduring, we're going to be patient. I say that, try to say it very distinctly, don't I? Because that's the hard one, isn't it? Patience. (laughs) 
something we all have abundantly this morning, don't we? Isn't it amazing how people can run out of patience so quickly? Just imagine getting ready to come to church on a Sunday morning. There's the husband, dressed and ready. And there's the wife still doing this. And the husband, and the husband's doing this. Husband's doing this. You know, all those kind of things. Maybe you've not seen that around your house. I don't know. Maybe you have. Okay. And so, that's just a small little thing about patience. But look at your day, how you go through your day. Whether it's the work, school, home, uh, going to Walmart or Super One or wherever you may go. And look at how patience grabs hold or doesn't grab hold. And so, as a result of coming out of the darkness into the light, God gives us endurance to go through whatever it is going through. And along the way, as we're enduring... It gives us patience to go through it. And then we also, as we come out of the darkness and the light, we joyfully give thanks to the Father. God, thank you for giving me endurance. Thank you for giving me patience to go through that situation that I just went through. Lord, I just praise you today. You strengthened me through the power of the Holy Spirit living in me so that when I went through that, I had the endurance to do it. I overcame the enemy. I had victory over that because you gave me endurance. You gave me patience. Lord, I thank you for that. But also, as we come out of the darkness and the light, We're qualified to share the inheritance with all the saints in heaven. not talking about the football team in New Orleans. I'm talking about anyone and everyone who's ever been saved throughout eternity. We're qualified to share the inheritance with them in heaven because now we're born again. Now we're saved. We come out of the darkness into the light. I get to go to heaven? You mean I I get to go to heaven? I have the opportunity to go back? Mm Mm-hmm, sure do. And a lot of times we've talked about I have to go to church. What's the little line about uh, I get to go to church or I have to go to church? Oh, I get to go to church. I have the opportunity. It's kind of like the child, I'm trying to remember, put it all together how they said it. When I was a child growing up, uh, I was drugged to church and had drugs. You know, he, he associates it with drugs somehow, but I was drugged to church. Do you know what I'm trying to say there? Don't know that little saying. It's not even. Oh, you're the one that had the drug problem. Okay, that's right. Your parents are drug. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I could go somewhere, but I'm not going anywhere with that because uh, we just discussed that whole matter last year. It wasn't him with the drug problem; it was me. But yeah, I had a drug problem growing up. My parents drugged me to church. Okay, and so, but now we say I don't have to be drugged to church. I don't have to be made to go to church. I get to go. I get to come and meet with Jesus. I get to come and meet with you. I get to come and associate with people that I love and care about. So we're qualified to share in the inheritance of all the saints in heaven. Do you know that all the people we look at around us that are saved, born again, we're going to be in heaven with each other one day. And we're going to be spending eternity in heaven with each other as we worship and praise the Lord there in heaven. And finally, in verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And so the word rescued there, he's rescued us from the dominion, means he's delivered us from the dominion of the darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son. He has saved us. And to number eight simply says, followers of Jesus have been rescued, delivered, and saved from the power of darkness and Satan. He's brought us out of it. We're no longer there anymore. When we're born again and we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives with us. We repent, turn, of our, turn from our sins, begin to deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow Jesus. 
we've been delivered. We've been saved. We no longer live in that power of darkness. And we no longer live in that power of sin. We no longer live under the power and influence of Satan. We've been set free. Our, we've been rescued. And so rescued people have been brought into the kingdom of Jesus. Very simply, that's who we are. We've been brought into the kingdom of Jesus. We've been rescued from sin, Satan, and the world. Brought out of that and come into the kingdom of, of Jesus with Him. Not only that, he said in verse 14, we've been redeemed. The song we sang a while ago before we started this. Set free from kidnappers by the paying of a ransom. See, we're kidnapped by the dominion of darkness. Jesus pays a ransom and he sets us free. Because the ransom, the kidnappers go to God and say, see, I got one of your children, God, and I'm holding on to them. Seeing Satan in the world says, I got a grip on them and I'm not turning them free. They can fight, they can fuss, they can cuss, they can kick at me all they want to, but i got a grip on them. I'm going to hold on to them. And God says, I'll set them free. And he says, no, you won't either. You can't. He says, yes, I can too. I can let my son Jesus come into this world, go to the cross, be the sacrifice for them, pay for their sins with his own blood, his own life, and that's going to set them free. Oh, that's right, God. It is. And so the grip is released. See, sin doesn't have control on the Christian anymore. Sin doesn't have a grip on the Christian anymore. We've been set free. We, our kidnappers have been paid off. He paid the ransom and he set us free. And so finally, number 10, our sins are forgiven by Jesus when he pays our ransom and sets us free from our sins. Our sins are forgiven. I mean, they're washed clean. And we could go to God and say, Lord, let me just make a list here. Let, let me just ask you to forgive me of this and this and this and this and this. Okay, you repent of that, yeah. You turn from it, yeah. You're going to deny self, take up your cross, follow me, yes. Sins are forgiven. And then one day, about a week later, we go back to him and say, Lord, remember that list I had last week? Oh, I still got it. Would you forgive me of this, 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 and this? And if he were to speak verbally to us, he'd either cross his arms like this, I'm not sure, or he'd do it kind of like this, might do it like this. And say, so what are you talking about? We dealt with that last week. Why are you bringing it back up? Well, I just want to make sure that we dealt with this and you heard me and we understood this and you forgave me. He says, when I forgave you, I cast your, far as, I cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And he said, I remember it no more. So why are you bringing it up again? You've been set free from it. It doesn't have bondage over you anymore. You've been released from that captivity. I paid your ransom. I set you free. Now walk in freedom. Don't go back and pick all that stuff up anymore and bring it back up. Keep living through it. Keep going over it. Boy, I did this and I did that. I'm so horrible. I'm so awful and terrible. You know, I could do that every day if I wanted to because of my life before I got redeemed. But I don't. And so he sets us free. He forgives us because the ransom has been paid for. So now we can enjoy our freedom from sin only for only one reason. The cost Jesus paid on the cross with his life. We get to enjoy life. Freedom in life, freedom in Jesus, freedom from sin, freedom to serve, freedom to get to attend church, attend worship, freedom to get to serve the Lord, freedom to get to do all those things we get to do for Him, with Him, because He paid the price. His life on the cross. So our question this morning is this. Have you moved out of the darkness and into the kingdom of the sun? Have you been redeemed? Has your ransom been paid for? Have you accepted the ransom and said, I need to be set free? I'm still living with my kidnappers. 
sin, Satan, the world's got a hold on me. And I haven't been set free yet. But Lord, I want to be. I need to be. I should be. Lord, would you do that for me? And he says, yes, I would. And that's when we repent of our sins. We turn from our sins. We ask the Lord to forgive us and acknowledge that he set us free. will set us free from our sins when we ask him to. And he's already paid for them. All we have to do is let him pay our kidnappers off and get set free from whatever it is holding us in bondage. And he does that. But the question that comes today is, has that happened in your life? Have you come to the point of turning from sin and turning to God and saying, Lord, I need to be set free today? And today's that day.